Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. Today, as we continue our series, Resurrection People, A Church Like Jesus, we're going to do that in a very different way. Uh, there's a conversation I had uh, last week with two other pastors, uh, and we're discussing what it looks like to be the church uh, and, and to be unified. Uh, a church that looks like Jesus is actually an answer to his prayer uh, for unity. And so uh, take a look and listen uh, to this, and then we'll have a couple questions following it. Well, hi, I'm Dominic, and I have the privilege of leading Missio Community Church in Southwest Portland. Hi, I'm Avery. Uh, I lead Common Ground Church in Beaverton, along with the elders there. Glad to be here. I'm Tim, uh, lead pastor at Mosaic in Northeast Portland. And uh, what brought the three of us together today is uh, two events uh, that have happened. Uh, as we look forward to, to this Sunday, May 23rd. Uh, there's two events that really have shaped and uh, kind of stirred a longing in us. And uh, so we started a conversation and are here uh, today to to kind of share where God's leading us. And before we look at those two events, I think it's helpful to just hear a little bit more of, of the, the church families that each of us get to be a part of. Well, so Missio is in Southwest Portland and we're about 10 years old. Uh, we're a multi-ethnic community and predominantly Asian, probably about 60% Asian and it's pan-Asian. So not all just one Asian population. And uh, the rest is different ethnicities, different backgrounds and yeah, we're, we're in the journey of trying to figure out how to be a healthy, multi-ethnic, flourishing church that shares Jesus with the world. Mm. I think our demographic is very similar to Missio. I think we're older mm. and we're in the suburbs. So that's a whole different vibe, man. So we've got the Intel thing and the Nike thing. Um, but our church location is in central Beaverton is very much Latino populated. And so God's just giving us uh, some interesting opportunities as a multicultural church um, that is predominantly Asian. Mosaic's about 14, going on 15 years old, and uh, majority white um, within, uh, within our, our church family. There's a minority of uh, kind of all other ethnicities, but definitely majority white. And then just culturally, like how we, how we worship and function is definitely a, a dominant white culture church. That's pretty cool because we are the church. Amen. You know, uh, I completely reject the whole colorblind. We're all one. We don't see color. Really, God was creative enough to make these colors. We ought to be wise enough to celebrate them. So I, I think that's great. Yeah, one of the things you said, Avery, was uh, 
that we are the church. Yeah. And I think it's so, I mean, even just in the way that we talk and that, um, and I think it affects how we, how we think is that it's, it's a, like we're one church, you're one church. And in some senses that's true, but in a truer sense that we are the church, uh, in Portland, in this area where we're, we are part of one church and we get caught up in names and addresses and locations and different websites and all those things, um, which serve us and are important at some level, but to be the church. Um, and that, that takes us back to our, uh, our two events. And uh, so I want to, I want to kind of talk about one event uh, and then uh Dom, you're gonna you're gonna talk about another event, and uh, and then Avery, we're gonna have you kind of we got a question for you. So, first event is is this? It's an event about two thousand years ago, uh, known as Pentecost. And uh, for us this year, May twenty uh, third, Sunday, May twenty third is Pentecost Sunday. And you may or may not know that, um, Dom. You were sharing just that that's a that's a marker for Missio that you you addressed this text where that that event happened every year. And so we want to just read that. Um, the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. And uh, the Pentecost is, uh, if you haven't heard that name before, uh, Penta is a, a number for 50 and, and Pentecost is 50 days after another feast. Um, so these are feasts in Jewish culture that took place in Jerusalem and uh, after the Passover and um, uh, Jesus is uh, arrested, uh, tried, beaten, crucified, buried, conquers death, the resurrection happens. Uh, Jesus rises from the dead. And then a number of weeks later, uh, we come to the day of, of Pentecost. And on Pentecost, um, the, the promise of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit is, is fulfilled. And so in Acts chapter 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, meaning the, the disciples. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages, tongues or languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Jerusalem was just packed at this moment. There's people from all over, Jews from all over. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Figueria, how did I get stuck reading this? That was <laughs> short straw. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Serene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of our God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And so the, the scene there is the Holy Spirit coming and, and it's audible, it's visual, uh, and then it's, uh, it's actually experienced where these, these disciples, these first disciples are, are speaking in all these different languages. And it's, uh, it's this, the, the city is packed of people and, 
and there's all these different languages being spoken, but the, the kind of the, um, the native language of each one is spoken in some way from that, from the Holy Spirit through the disciples. And so they can hear their own language um, and they're hearing the, it says the wonders of God. And so they're, they're bewildered. This is crazy scene happening, um, but it is this marker of the Holy Spirit coming uh, and all these different people. And if you, if you read a few uh, verses earlier in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it lists out where the disciples are going to be sent out to, to be witnesses. And it's to these places that don't get along. So in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And those are, those are some areas that are in conflict with one another. And so from the very beginning, there's this movement of the spirit in the first church. And you see this, the, the beginnings of a vision of people that are opposed to one another being reconciled and people that are opposed to one another once they're reconciled being unified in some, in some way. And so we have the very kind of beginnings of a vision for, for the church. And then again, just a few, few verses later, we find that this well-known verses in later in Acts chapter two of, of what the first church is and does and experiences. Mm-hmm. They share all things together, have all things in common. And so that's, that's one event that is, is wonderful and miraculous. And, and we begin to get this hope and this vision for what the church can be in the world. So that's, that's event number one. Yeah. Tim, thanks. That that's, just, I've read that a bunch of times, but honestly, sitting here and listening to you read it, it that's a powerful picture. <laughs> that's a humbling picture. Mm. And if I'm honest, it's a troubling picture mm. from the standpoint of what God created and intended us as the church to be, mm. but troublesome because of where we are today. I mean, in terms of just saying, honestly, we're, we're, we're not that. Yeah. Um, we are in some ways and in other ways, we're not that. And so that's humbling, awe-inspiring and troublesome and really troublesome connecting it to then the second event that we wanted to talk about that we're commemorating this week. Uh, May 25th, 2020 uh, was the death of of George Floyd. And so we're one year at the anniversary. And I think just as much as Pentecost is a history altering event, I think, and I think hope even, that the death of George Floyd will be a history altering event. Mm -hmm meaning that as we do right to remember and to mourn and lament and repent and consider in the midst of the anniversary, what, what is, where are we? What's going on in our world? What's going on in the church? How does the gospel speak into it? That it'll bring change, right? That the history that we've seen will not repeat itself, but that this will be a moment where we get to move forward in a different way. Uh, moving closer to the picture of what we see here that is so awe-inspiring, that is humbling, that is God's heart and God's design for, for the world, for humanity. Um, yeah, I, I think as I read this, or as we read this and we've talked about it, it does leave me, though, going, okay, if, that's, if this is the picture and what God intended in terms of giving his Holy Spirit to empower the church to go and be this beautiful, diverse, yet united picture, and then thinking about where we are, it does beg the question of how? Yeah. <laughs> how, does this, how does this play out for us? Mm-hmm. And what, what do we do, guys? Yeah. I've been thinking about this for a long time. And you know, when I read Jesus' prayer in John 17, that he's close to the cross. I've only got a little bit of time I'm going to tell you something that's important. He 
He prays that we would be one. Why would he do that? Because he knew we wouldn't be. He knew. He knew that in the midst of crisis, we would be a hot mess. And he prays, all right, this is the model. Father, like we're one. You and me, I and you, I need them to be one. They must be one so that the world knows that you sent me. If today the world doesn't know that Jesus was sent from the Father, it's because we're not one. And so I've been thinking about just looking at the model of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, their community together. Mm-hmm. If we would initiate relationships, build trust, celebrate diversity, and invite inclusion. There is something about that model that allows us to practice being one, to be in the experience of getting to know one another, building trust, which takes time. (laughs) The thing that none of us have (laughs) a lot of, that we would purposefully say, look, look at, Look at how amazing God is. Look, 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 look. Just the three of us sitting around this table, God was smart enough to figure that out. And for you to invite me and Dom to this table, to say, I want to hear your voice. That's the thing that would be different. That's the, the practicing of oneness. See, I think biblically we all agree we are one. Right? But it's more like union. We're we're We've got solidarity in Christ, but to actually practice oneness, oh, that's the hard work. Initiating relationships. Somebody's got to make the first move, which leads to built trust, which then provides an opportunity for us to say, yay, God, look how amazing he is. Look at Missio and Common Ground, and Mosaic, and Imago, and Southwest, and Village, and look at how amazing God is. We should put that on blast, like for the world to hear it. Because what they see, what they hear, is all of the fussing and fighting and stuff on social media. That's what they think of when they think of believers in Christ. We We gotta do that differently. And as you're saying that, it's it's moments like like this that actually uh, almost uh, further disintegrate rather than bring together. Like so, you you look at a at a moment like George Floyd, and and that's instead of looking around and seeing a coming together, there's a there seems to be a a further either like paralysis or or moving away. From each other, and so that call to would you, the first thing you said initiate relationship, build trust, and celebrate, celebrate diversity. Yeah, we're not so good at that. I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I think for some reason we think that if we talk about our diversity, that somehow we're saying that we're not united, and I view it in the very opposite. What do you mean? Say, say, say more, more about, about that. that. Yeah. In, in, in other words, if a white elder stands in front of the church and says, yay, God, we've got Filipinos in the church. God bless you. Welcome. Man, we've got Cameroonians in the church. 
Isn't God great? Look, we've got African-American pastor. That is really cool. Wish he would preach shorter. Um, we've got, we've got, <laughs> that now we're, we're speaking out loud that we are the church and that, feel, that can feel devices, divisive to some because oneness can be misinterpreted mm. as sameness. Or, or that it needs to be. Right, that right. that's the objective. That's, that's yeah. where we're trying to move. And so, yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Well, yeah. Because we're just not good at it. And so to, to name it and to celebrate it can build, build unity. Yeah, and we have to practice it. Yeah. We, we think that when we get to heaven, we're all going to be united in one and we're going to be happy. But we spent no time practicing before we get there. And this would help us to practice it. So what was the fourth thing you said? Celebrate diversity was the third and thing. Then and then invite inclusion. In other words, diversity is we're all sitting around the table and we're going to have a meal. Inclusion is you ask us to help create the menu and cook the food. It was different, yeah. right? Because I know plenty of churches that are multicultural, multi-ethnic, yeah. and it's as white as it can be. Mm. It's just hard work so to invite inclusion. Say, say that again. I think, I think we need to hear that again. Yeah, just we, have, we could be a multi-ethnic church, multi-racial mm -hmm. church, and ignore all the cultures in the church. Yeah. Right? And the church can be predominantly a white church and still be multicultural based on social economics, based on education, based on ages. Yeah, yeah. Just because yeah. we look the same doesn't mean we, we live in the same neighborhood, think the yeah, same yeah. way, like the same songs. Yeah. That's the hard work. Well, and even, even knowing that, like that's, a, that's an idea that is new for, for some people. That, and to, to understand that, to know that, and then to, to learn how to graciously see through that. And, or not to see through it, to see it. And to, yeah, I think that's a really, that's really complex, but it's really helpful to name that. that well, I mean, I've been learning that at Common Ground regarding the Asian community. Just because the majority of people are Asian in the room, that doesn't mean they're all the same. I mean, can you speak to that? Just in terms of different cultures in the room, even though we all kind of look the same. Yeah, I mean, I think there's the, not, you know, the, the monolith, right? The, the, the fallacy of, of the monolith, right? That, that just because everyone looks the same, that there's a, there's a common story that pervades through all of it and then everyone acts the same or reacts the same or engages the same or wants to be treated the same or all of that. And the reality is that that's just not true. There's, it's not true. There's a uniqueness in which God has created each of us and in each of the Asian cultures, you know, speaking to that specifically in which the way they interact and celebrate and worship even and different practices and obviously the food and all of the different things there's there's uniquenesses within that and in order to to see those and to celebrate and to honor those i think is to really then to honor the image of god uniquely placed and created in each ethnic culture but also in each person within the culture mm. with that yeah that kind of the i do not know every black pastor in portland i know that's shocking to hear but i don't 
Man. You know? <laughs> we share ethnicity, but we are different, and it ought to be celebrated. Mm. It's a good thing. So again, Avery, you're talking about stuff that paints this beautiful picture, <laughs> a humbling picture, and again, if I'm honest, somewhat troubling <laughs> because it's not the reality that I see in, in being played out around or honestly being played out in my heart and in my own thoughts. Mm. Um, my natural inclination of my flesh is not necessarily initiate relationships with new people. Yeah. It's, you know, maintain and yeah. do, I've got so much going on, right? It's not always inclusion. It's, it's like you said, it's a lot of work to include. It's, it's more, okay, I can get this done if I do this and with the people I know and that sort of thing. It's, it's not build trust over time because it takes too much time. Right? Like <laughs> I, I got trust with certain people and so I'm good with that, right? And yet, again, the picture you painted, which I think plays off of this beautiful story and picture here of God's intent and God's desire in giving the Holy Spirit, to empower the disciples to be effective witnesses in the world. I read this at the end of this, there's a question in verse 12 that says, and they are all away amazed, meaning all the, the onlookers, everybody there in the, the room or in that space, it says they were all amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And you, know, you spoke to John 17 and Jesus' prayer, previous conversation, you spoke to John 13 and that command that reference of Jesus, that powerful statement that says that the world will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another or if you love one another. And so I think the people in the day and the time, they, again, the Holy Spirit was given so that they would be effective witnesses. We see that they were effective because the onlooking world sat there and said, what does this mean? Like, what is going on? What is God doing through this? Mm-hmm. And I feel like part of our, our conversation, the reason why we're here is to acknowledge and, and recognize that Pentecost, the anniversary of George Floyd's murder, everything that's going on in our world causes us, I think if we were wise, to, to pause and to say, in a sense, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. God, what are you doing here and now in our hearts individually, in our lives communally as churches called to represent Christ here in our city? And even beyond that, we're you know, collectively, like as a, as a nation, as a people, as, as a humanity, right? What does this mean? What is, what is God inviting us to in all this? Well, am I supposed to have the answer? <laughs> is that, I, I, I don't know where that is. Where is that? Um, I, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what it all means. I yeah. do. It's, I go to the, the hope and the dream of of what it 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 could it could be and the the moment that i think that we have as the church to 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 genuinely truly be spirit formed and spirit led and spirit empowered to be a different kind so that i mean we, we talked about this earlier but what would it be like if the world looked at the church today and were amazed and perplexed and went what does that mean yeah and because I think the world looks at its own screen and sees further division, I think it's easy for the, the world to look at the church and see further division. Um, it, certainly not enough love, like, like you said earlier. Like there's not, they don't look at the church and see, here is, <laughs> here is an overflow of love for one another and for the world. And so 
Um, I think that, and I think that longing is there in each and every one of us that we would love one another because we know the father's love and then have the world look at the church and go, Oh, there's something different. What does that mean? And I'm drawn to it rather than repulsed by it. Yes. And that's, that's where I, I have hope for that. Um, even in the midst of, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that the church collectively responded to not just George Floyd's death, but the, the, the response after that, that we are still a, living in as, as a nation. I think, I think we're, I think we're doing this. I think we're going, what, what do we do? How can we do it? How can we move forward and how can we move forward together? And that's, so that's where, that's where my mind goes. But yeah, this, this, we're talking about the gospel. Yeah. I mean, this is all gospel. Our relationship is directly tied to our credibility to share Jesus with the world. And they're completely uninterested in what we have to say by watching us fussing and fighting at one another. They already have that. They got that model in the world. Jesus came to bring light into the world. And so our relationships together in Christ is directly tied to the gospel. They'll know that you're my disciples, not based on the sign on the building Mm. or your theological statement on your website, but because you love one another. So it's, we're talking about the gospel. Dom, would, would you pray for us? I can do that. I, and as you say that, Avery, I just think of those. There's so much of the gospel that has shaped those four things that you have been writing on and thinking about and that you mentioned today of initiating relationship, building trust, celebrating diversity, and inviting inclusion. Inviting inclusion. Thank you. That's, yeah. Yeah, may we be that. Yes, thanks for initiating the yeah. conversation. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking this step to build trust together. And let's pray yeah. that God does something through this and we get to live it out. Mm. So, Lord, we do. We just acknowledge your goodness, your faithfulness, your love. Your power. We, we acknowledge that apart from you, that there is no life. And we thank you that the life that, that you've given us is, is a life call, uh, call into relationship with you, the God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the God who is one and yet three unique persons, perfect unity in diversity, love, relationship played out. And that's what you invite us into, each of us individually and, and collectively as, as your people. Again, Jesus, as you prayed in John 17. And so, Lord, I, I think I'd do right to, to pray along with your words. I pray, Jesus, that you would make us one mm-hmm. the way that you and the Father and the Spirit are one. Mm-hmm. And I thank you that you've not called us to that and then said, okay, go ahead and try and do it on your own. Mm-hmm. But what we're recognizing and remembering in Pentecost is that you're a God that, that gives. And you gave your Son, Father, and then you also gave your Spirit and it's your spirit that empowers us as it indwells us to go and live out this life of love in relationship with one another, with people that are different than ourselves. And so, Lord, that question that the people asked in that day, what does this mean? I ask, Lord, that you would help each of us consider that and wrestle with that question personally. What does this mean? That there is a God who exists in relationship and in love and is wanting to be in relationship with us and wanting us to be in relationship with others who are different than ourselves. 
to proclaim the goodness and the wonders of who he is. And so, Lord, help us to wrestle with that, and I also pray for your empowerment to that. Empower us, Jesus. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to initiate relationships, to build trust, to celebrate diversity, to invite people into inclusion. Lord, would you allow that to happen at Mosaic, at Common Ground, at Missio, God, at at your churches throughout the city, your churches throughout our country, your church throughout this world, because we are one church. Jesus, you're Lord of it all. And we want, we desire, we long for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, I thank you and I ask your blessing on Tim and Mosaic and their journey moving forward. I pray your blessing on Avery and Common Ground and their journey moving forward. I pray your blessing over myself and Missio and our journey moving forward and even our collective journey, God, to move forward as a people, radically different, yet amazingly somehow united by your love and by your spirit and Lord, empowered by your love to go out into this world to make you, Jesus, known and others come to know you and celebrate the goodness of who you are and all that you've done. So Lord, we love you because you've loved us first in Christ and we pray this in his name, amen. There's so much in that conversation that I think is, is valuable, maybe even prophetic. I feel like I learned so much in there as we look at both uh, Pentecost and the story that we read in scripture and then we look at our kind of moment in history right now, and particularly as a nation and, and even more specifically as a city of where we're at and the, the levels of divisiveness and disagreement uh, and a lack of unity that we as the church, as followers of Jesus, have this unique opportunity to, to be unified. And that question that Dom raised and that we read in the text even uh, is that, is that what, is, what does this now mean? And so I, I want to encourage you to, to ask that question. And uh, if, as you jump into a house gathering right now, as you pray and reflect on this, as you go back and read Acts 2, that you would ask that question. And, and if I can, I think part of the answer to each and every one of us has to be that we respond to the Holy Spirit. And so as you ask that question that you would really be asking, Holy Spirit, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family and friends? What does that mean for for my church? What does that mean for the church? And to allow God to to lead you. I love those things that Avery laid out. There was four things there. We've got them in the chat. We'll have them in the questionnaire and in our house gatherings as well. There's a call in that for each and every one of us to be resurrection people, to look more like Jesus as individuals and, and as the church. It really has been a great Sunday together. Hope you have a great week and we're jumping into our house gatherings right now.